Fearless. Chase. Bold. Following. Courageous. Search. I'm Aaron. And I'm Marshall. And this is Undaunted Pursuit. kind of stuff you know like yeah yeah and oh shoot let's see here okay well we don't have to get on that dude all right so we uh i get home and uh i go into i i go to get into the fridge to get some sweet tea you know get some tea and they drank it all Man, I've been drinking. I've been drinking sweet tea, like you drank cream soda. Cream soda. <laughs> it's hard to like. You get like sugar. I don't know what it is, but like sugary drinks. Yeah, it's addictive, man. Dude, I've been okay. So here's what we've done: is we've gone through. Um, let me get this done here. There we go. Okay, so we've gone through something like eight gallons of tea in the past three Holy days. Nineties. <laughs> Isn't that nuts? That's a lot of tea. But oh, and that's, so that's what I was going to bring up to you last night, which I wanted to tell you. Um, oh, let me introduce the uh, podcast real quick, guys. Welcome back to Undone and Pursuit Podcast. Uh, sorry that uh, Marshall is not able to make it tonight, so I brought Christian in again. So we're just going to do our little table talks thing, except this is not going to be a uh, it's going to be a regular podcast. So uh, we're going to cover Luke chapter 21 tonight. But in the meantime, uh, guys, thanks for joining us. So anyway, I well, that's what I was going to tell you last night is on Venatic Ridge Outdoors, our their, like little sister um, outdoorsy thing that I've been trying to get set up and as soon as we get moved it'll we'll it'll we'll take off with it and do more with it. Anyway, um I had made a post saying that you can take us out of the south but you can't take the south out of us because you know there's not too many people around this area that are gonna be frog hunting. Right. Well that being said too is uh is this tea consumption what was I what was I gonna say about the tea? Man there was something funny I wanted to talk about the tea. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, like tea, we, you know, we drink, we love tea, and oh, that's where I was going to go. And it's going to sound silly because we've already talked about it, but um, I wanted to get it recorded on here because being from the South, uh, food, obviously, if you've, if, you know, you're staring at me, but anybody <laughs> listening, if they've, uh, food's a big deal in the South. It is. And, well, you know it, you're, you've spent some time in Georgia and hospitality and food and everything's a big deal which is why this is uh what we were talking about last night stuck with me for so many years like 13 years but we had gone to a uh a cheesecake factory when when ashley and i were just dating and um we walked in there we had eaten dinner at a spaghetti factory which we made mention last night yeah i okay so i'll let me let me back up just a little bit uh, Tuesday night after our men's group, I'm laying in bed. And I'm talking about all this, you know, bring up the crazy I, you know, we're trying to set up a, uh, for those of you listening, we're trying to set up a dude that we're good friends with, with a, uh, help him find a mate. And so <laughs> <laughs> I told him I had the perfect one. 
that was you just had to get past their wandering eye. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> so I'm telling Ashley this at night, and I had her rolling because I'm going on and on about this cheesecake factory ordeal, and you know, a little disclaimer: they don't serve cheesecakes, at least not the one we went to. So we eat dinner at Spaghetti Factory, which is great. They serve spaghetti, and I love spaghetti. Right. So we go down this really nice cheesecake factory in Kansas City, and uh, we walk in. We're like, hey, we want some dessert. We just want to sit down have a nice piece of cheesecake. And I'm expecting, I've never been, at this point, never been to a cheesecake factory. So I'm expecting a wall. You know, you walk in, big case. I want, I want that piece of cheesecake. And you can just pick out this, like, big, fancy piece of cheesecake. Right. And the hostess says, she looks at me stupidly, and, like, I'm an idiot for asking for a piece of cheesecake in the Cheesecake Factory. Well, she, in turn, goes to tell me that, or tell me, or tell her dad, I can't remember exactly how it goes, and Ashley's dad was with us, and her her parents were, and uh, she's like, well, we don't serve just a slice of cheesecake, you know, (laughs) you can come in and eat dinner, but, you know, or you can order a whole cheesecake, and uh, you can take it home with you. It's like, okay, well, I thought this was the Cheesecake Factory. I right. thought you guys served cheesecakes. Yeah, it should be uh, <laughs> pretty simple math there. You so, want a piece of cheesecake, you go to Cheesecake Factory. Right. So, anyway, little soft opening, fun little topic to talk about while we get the podcast rolling. But I've been saving it for today. And the, and the more I think about it, the more it's like... <laughs> we've been going these past 13 years around telling people that Cheesecake factories don't serve cheesecake. <laughs> well, and I, we were sharing back, we were in Atlanta where they do have also cheesecake factories and they're prominent and we were able to get slices of cheesecake. So yeah, I think they're great too. Like, that's- but, you know, and that's where I was going with it was the fact that, you know, you grow up in the South, food is a big part of your life. And when something like that, something food related happens like that, you remember it for years. Sure. Well, and I'll, I'll share the my barbecue experience real quick. Oh, yes. Yes, you got so to. So we got to Atlanta, and um, we had some friends at church, and we thought it would be good to invite them over on the weekend, you know, after church for a barbecue. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we stop, we get buns, we get burgers, we get hot dogs, hot dog buns, chips, you know, all the fixings. And um, these people start showing up from church. They come out in the backyard, and I'm back there on the grill flipping burgers. They're like, well, wait a second. You said we're coming over for a barbecue. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Like, this is not barbecue. Barbecue is like a smoked brisket or pulled pork. So you better have been slaving over that for eight hours. Right. Like, what you're doing is called grilling. (laughs) I never heard that used. Like, that's a grill. You know, like, it makes sense, but... sure. From California and everywhere else, that's a barbecue. Like, you call that actual appliance a barbecue. So any kind of cooking on that appliance would be, in essence, barbecuing. No, it's sacrilegious sacrilegious when it comes to calling that in the South. (laughs) Got to watch what you say in the South, especially when it comes to food. Do you imagine if you had been in Texas? Oh, man. Oh, man. Probably be dead. Yeah. Well, you remember that old old, uh, commercial? Uh, What is it? Was it Pace Pecanis? Yeah. This stuff's made in New York City. New York City? (laughs) Get a rope. (laughs) It's true. Yeah. Well, it's just like here. You know, like the Mexican joint here. Oh, man. Yeah. It's nothing like 
Tex-Mex or Mexican food you get in Southern California or in Arizona. It's like real authentic Mexican food versus the whitewashed version up north. You know, it's... It's, it's like American. Right. Mexican. <laughs> yeah. It's like our version of Mexican food. <laughs> right. Like the enchilada sauce is basically prego. You know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're seeing like American cheese thrown on top of refried beans. And I'm like, yeah, what is yeah, this? Thank you. No. And here's something I hate the most is that... They don't serve white queso. Hmm. When we first moved here, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I was like, what Mexican restaurant doesn't? And so when we were in uh, Arkansas, <laughs> we uh, we chowed down. We are like, give us three bowls oh, yeah. of white queso. Or, or First off, we asked the waitress. We're like, hey, do you guys have queso dip? Right. Yeah, we do. It's like, that's a stupid question. You know, it's like she looks at you like with that, like, yeah, we've got queso. That's a dumb question. It's like, do you have tacos? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I miss that. Queso dip with the salsa. Oh, man. I used to do like a, a little dip of the cheese and then into the salsa. Yeah. Kind of mix it up a little bit. Yeah. It's good stuff. Oh, man. Well, you guys leave next Thursday night. Yeah. And we got. I was, I've been thinking to myself, what are we going to do without you here? <laughs> you got to find something, man. Oh, man. It will be, it'll be quick. We'll be back. Um, we're gone. We basically get there Friday morning because we're taking a red eye. Sweet. So and then we're house hunting Friday, Saturday, Sunday, maybe yeah. even Monday. And then we're going to head down to South Carolina and see family, I think, for the last day or two. Good. Yeah. Good. That'll be good. Yep. Heck yeah. Well, shoot, man. We're getting into Luke chapter 21. Tonight, Mark Luke. I gotta flip to it. I wasn't wasn't that prepared here, so I am somewhat prepared. But <laughs> I've only got uh, I've only got a few pages of notes, and I know uh, I kind of asked you short notice. Yep. That Marshall had something come up, so of course uh, we will be praying for him and all that's going on there. So, but uh, yeah. So anyway. Uh, so we're, we're getting into this first part of 21 here. Uh, Jesus is noticing that all these rich people are coming in to the synagogue or, uh, what does it say? It, it must, yeah. Coming into the synagogue, coming into the temple, however that looks. And they're putting, uh, their gifts into the treasury. They're rich people. And there's a, there's a, this poor woman she walks up and it says in chat in verse two here it says he saw a poor widow putting in two small copper coins which um what is it i can't remember i didn't do a whole lot of research into it but just a little side note uh, they were like half pennies right so right. it would almost equal a full penny yeah right? the smallest denomination that they had yeah yep yeah so it was like she puts in that and then he 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 notices this. Jesus notices this, and he says, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in proportionately more than all of them. Mm -hmm. So what, in, in my notes, I don't know what kind of notes you have, and you just interject at any time, but, you know, people tend to give the God out of their abundance. Right. Right? Yep. Oh, and uh, I really didn't have time to look this up. Let's see here. I got to look up Deuteronomy. There it is. Deuteronomy 18, 4. Before I go ahead and make that up. First fruits. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, so you know, these, these rich guys, are they're coming in, and they're giving out of their abundance, which you see that nowadays. People, you know, we give 
and I, I'm going to say we because you know now with us thinking you know we're we're moving or it's going to happen at some point we're going to move to Arkansas and uh, something God's taught us in this we're calling this our wilderness you know is right. that we need to be more uh, what's the word I'm looking for intentional with the the money He's given us and right. so we're talking about this next turnaround when He finally um, gets us out of gets us out of here and resets us and which is you know which is what he's you know setting us up to do we're i'm, I'm just gonna straight off the top i told ashley straight off the top 15 percent yep. out of the whole paycheck gets put into a totally different you know and that's something we've never done before mm-hmm. yeah and we've always given what we can or when we think about it or whatever but I, i'm telling her this next turnaround straight off the top 15 percent five percent goes into a giving fund Five ten percent, of course, goes to tithing, right. and that and, and it's and, and it is biblical. And I've gone on, I've talked on here, um, on the podcast before in the past about it's not all about the money. No, you know it's it, you know when you don't have the money, when you can't spare the money, uh, tithe your tithe your time and your talents and all that. You know that's all understandable. That's cool, and I'm I'm a huge proponent of that. Right, but. This turnaround, I, I want to step up the game. He's taught us so much and blessed us so much that now it's time to like be more intentional with it. Right. So Deuteronomy eighteen four goes into talking about you shall also give him, God, the first fruits of your grain, your new wine, the first of the season, and your olive oil and the first sheared fleece of your sheep. Mm-hmm. So I wrote that down. And what is this? When you're reading through this, and we're talking about, we're seeing this, um, these, this widow giving everything she's got out of the full faith and trust, and it, it also makes me think of uh, the story of Cain and Abel. Yeah, I have written down. Do you have that written down? Yep, I do. And that is found in Genesis uh, chapter four, mm-hmm. verse one through five. So, okay, I'll I'll just read it real quick. One through five is now the man Adam knew Eve, his wife, and they and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. She said, "I have obtained a man, a baby boy or a son, with the help of the Lord." And later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept the flocks of sheep and goats, but Cain cultivated the ground. And in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. But Abel brought an offering of the finest firstborn of his flock and the fat portions. Uh, and the Lord had respect, which also regard, for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no respect. So Cain became extremely angry or indignant, and he looked annoyed and hostile, which we all know if you've been studying the Bible at any, uh, for any length of time that you know what happens that Cain ends up out of, uh, out of anger because he's jealous, kills Abel. But the the main part of the story is is here we see uh Cain bringing the leftovers right you know it just you know <clears throat> imagine this if you will he took he he took all this grain stored it up in his silos to put it into modern terms he he stores away his grain and then whatever's left over whatever he can't fit in those silos then that's what he was given to the lord right hey i find myself doing that same thing Mm-hmm. nowadays you know 
I think it's a lot of people do, you know, and it's like you said, it's not the money, it's the heart behind it. Yeah. And, you know, it's when you see a need, you know, it's not necessarily even just <clears throat> a tithe in the church, which that's, yes, you know, it's, it's good to give to the church you attend. Obviously the pastor needs his salary, the staff there need their salary, mm-hmm. they keep the lights on and yeah. all that stuff. But I think more importantly, like, I don't know why I have this flash of, um, do you remember Aladdin, the cartoon? Yeah. The movie? Yeah. Do you remember the beginning where he goes through all this to get this loaf of bread? Right. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. he, he finally gets through all the soldiers trying to kill him or whatever. <laughs> and they sit down in the alley and he breaks it in half and he gives it to Abu. And he says, and now we feast. Yeah. And then he looks over and he sees the two kids and they're digging through the trash mm-hmm. and, you know, they're starving. And with a smile, he gets up and walks over and hands them his portion of the bread. Yeah. And he could see his heart in that, right? And, and what does a poo do? Take that big old bite. He, yeah, he doesn't right? want to. No, he's like <laughs> angry about it, but then he finally relents and kind of comes over and gives up his too. Yeah. You know, but it's like that heart that you see, you know, it's a sacrifice. It's something that I need this too. You know, that widow needed that money. Yeah. You know, like she needed it to survive. The rich didn't need what they were dumping in the, the bin. You know, it could have been $10,000, $100,000, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, but they're millionaires. But this widow, her offering to, to the Lord, just like you said, was like Cain and Abel. You know, out of her heart, she was giving. Out of her need, she was giving. It wasn't out of her abundance. It wasn't like, and yeah, the first fruits are a core concept, but it's like when God puts people in your life and over and above the church, like you said, a 5% just to being able to give. Yeah. You, know, you see someone in church that has a need. Mm-hmm. You, know, you have a friend that, man, we're not going to be able to make our mortgage payment this month or yeah. You know, oh, we, we, our electricity got shut off last night. You know, like you see these needs come up in your day to day life, and it's like, wow, I wish I could help, but I don't really have anything left over. Yeah, you know? I, I see that even now. You know, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked, and you know our story. You know, we have plenty of transients that come to our door, right. or you know, we have plenty of people that come to our door that need a place to lay their head at night and stuff like that. And the safe thing to do is not to house them at our house, you know. I want to be able to, and that's what God is showing me and our family, that, you know, set aside money to bless other people like that, to, mm-hmm. you know, give somebody a place to lay their head at night or um, you know, provide them a little bit of a, a meal and some snacks to go, however that looks, you know. Right. But I want, you know... He, he's really showed us the importance of setting aside something to be able to to do that. Right. Or missionaries come to your church, you know, like from out of town. and Yeah. Know, how many times do you, how many times have we had missionaries come to our church, either the, the two churches we're going to? Uh, it's like, man, oh man, I would love to support that cause. Yeah. It's just something I really feel strongly about. Or um, that is just, that's a great thing that they're doing. I want to show my support with them. Even if it's $10. Right. It doesn't matter. Right. But how much better is it if it's, you got like 200 bucks in that account and, you're, and you look at your wife and you kind of nudge her, what, what do you think? You yeah. Know, like, let's just go ahead and empty it and just get blessing with it. Yeah. You know, and the Lord will put that kind of stuff on your heart when you have the resources to respond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, and so in my notes here, I said, you know, trust the Lord in what he, he has given you. And of course, that's talking to just as much as myself as with anybody listening or you, uh, whoever, you know, that all what it boils down to is trusting the Lord right? in what he's given you. It's his anyway. Right. None of what we have is ours in uh, the grand scheme of things. Yep. So 
Yeah, I was thinking about it this morning, and I was I always do this when I get a Bible study. I always look back and see what else was going on. And obviously, I wasn't here for the other podcast where you were going over chapter twenty and nineteen. But uh, I I definitely saw a theme of what was happening here, and it was um, Jesus was exposing the religious leaders and the scribes. He had just clean, cleansed the temple. Mm-hmm. His authority was being questioned as to why he was able to do all this. And he just kind of went on a roll, you know, like yeah. showing all these dogmatic, legalistic approaches to serving God. And this was another example of that, you know, like yeah. even in giving, you know, these guys are giving out of their abundance and they think that they're, you know, they're, they're walking by and smiling, I'm sure, making sure everyone sees how much they're dumping in the bin. Yeah. You know, and it's like. They're obviously making a show of it. Right. You know, oh, look at me. Look at how much I, I put five thousand dollars into the plate this week right you know? yeah yeah it made me think of um uh i think i wrote down the verse uh where he was showing oh um well the first one i wrote down was uh luke three eleven, uh where he said he who has two tunics let him share one with one who has none mm-hmm. um, he who has um food let him do it in the same way so the the abundance versus you know, you look at someone who's rich and has an abundance of money and it's like, well, how do you have such an abundance? Maybe you weren't looking for opportunities to kind of offload your overage, you know, people that need it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you're already, your heart is kind of showing a little bit in that respect, but I'm not saying that financially, if you're poor, then, oh, you're godly. And if you're rich, well, then you're not godly because that's not the case. No, no, no. He's, he blesses you in uh, many different ways. Right. You know, we're, you know, look at both of our lives, for example. Mm -hmm. I mean, both of our lives are totally different. You know, I, you probably have a little bit more than I do, but we both give with a smile on our face whenever we can, you know, and we're, and we're both happy, genuinely, you know, uh, happy. We hit our slumps, of course, you know, we have our ups and downs, but for the most part, you know, no matter what we're both making, we're still pretty happy. Yeah. yeah. Kids are fed. We have a roof over our head. Exactly. Yeah. We don't want for much. If right. Anything. Yeah. I mean, we want just because we're in, in the world. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. The world keeps you hungry for more stuff. Yeah. Um, the other thing I noticed, uh, I noted was in Hosea 6, 6 and Matt, Matthew 9, 8. Jesus reiterates, I desire mercy, that is, readiness to help these in trouble and not sacrifice. Um, mm. And that kind of goes along the same lines. You know, like, he's looking at our heart. Yeah. You know, he wants us to have mercy on people that need help, mm-hmm. not just come drop, you know, 100 bucks in the can at church. You know, it's like, yeah, that's kind of the easy approach to giving versus, like, going out and finding a need or a need being... You know, I think of these rich guys dropping it in the bin in front of everyone so they can see it. And they probably walked by how many beggars through the, you know, the beginning of the gate when they were walking in. Exactly. And and so that brings up another point, uh, Christian, is that do you think that, because I've heard this argument before, Mm -hmm. that, okay, well, you know, a tithe is a tithe and an offering is an overabundance of, it is is what you would give over and uh, above and beyond your your ten percent tithe or your first fruits offering, right? Uh, um, now, but I don't really see if, if you just didn't feel okay. So take like one of the churches here in town, for example. We're regular attenders there, 
and yet I still see, I listen to Authentic Church. I love what they stand for. I love what they do and their preaching, and um, I want to support them maybe more so than I want the church that I'm attending, regularly attending. Is that, would you, do you see an issue in that? Like, I want to give my tithes, you know, where God's money goes. I don't think it really matters a whole lot. Do you? No, I don't, God doesn't need your money and churches really shouldn't either. It, it, I've always had a problem going to churches where the pastor will take an entire Sunday preaching about, you need to give more. Right. You know, like this church isn't tithing the way they should. Yeah. Basically, you know, it's like, like, oh, I need you, you might as well just come out and say, I need a bigger house or I'm trying to save for a boat right. or something of that sort. Well, and what you should <laughs> as do, a pastor. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like and they use the scripture of, oh, you know, God says, test me in this. You know, if I won't if you give that, I won't give back to you, you know, mm-hmm. shaking together, running over. And, yeah, you know, it's like true. But right. Not in that kind of spirit. You yeah. know, it's like. Um, I do believe that, you know, and Jesus says, and even Paul says, you know, like a workman is worthy of his, of his pay. Exactly. Right? Yeah, it is. It is biblical. Preachers do, or anybody spreading the gospel for that matter, this podcast and everything, you know, I could, I'm not, you know, when, when we try and search out means for uh, funding for this podcast, which right now it's all self-funded, but it, I, I, I would be happy if it paid the membership dues for the podcast host. Right. You know? <laughs> and so it's like, yeah, they need to make a living because they've got to keep electricity on at, in their host. They got, they've got to pay for their kids. Most generally uh, uh, preachers have kids. Right. <laughs> so they need, they've got mouths to feed too. Right. Well, and then going back to what you were saying in um, Deuteronomy, the first fruits the priests, remember, don't didn't have an inheritance. They didn't have land to yeah. farm. They didn't have so like the oil. They couldn't produce that. The fruits, they couldn't grow them. Mm-hmm. The sheep, they didn't have anywhere to put them. Yeah. And what was God saying? Do not bring the priests who are here serving me, who I am their inheritance. Don't bring them your leftovers. You know, they don't want your old cans of corn that you get. You know, yeah, that, that nobody's going to eat. Right. <laughs> like, get your best and bring it to them because they're serving me. Mm-hmm. They deserve to be honored in that as well. Yeah. But to answer your question, no, I don't think it's wrong. Like me and Adrian have split up our tithe and said, like, we've had monthly um, commitments that we've made to missionaries, several missionaries. Mm-hmm. And we'll take that out of 10% and be like, and sometimes we'll change. Sometimes we'll give them an entire 10% if we know that they're hurting and we'll yeah. give more to the church or. Yeah. Or, to- yeah. You could one week drop your tithe or, you know, one paycheck, drop your tithe at the church, support that church. And then the next paycheck, whenever that falls, send it out. You know, you can either which way, as long as you're supporting, that's what God, you know, like you said it earlier, God doesn't care about your money. Right. He's given it to you so that you could bless other people, uh, trying to serve his kingdom. Right. Yeah, if we get our bonus at the end of the year, if we get our tax returns at the end of the year, that all gets tithed too. Yeah. You know, so it's like the church is going to get a big chunk of change, you know, <laughs> around tax season. Yeah. Um, and if we know mission, we have family that are missionaries, we have friends that are missionaries. So it's like, of course, we're going to give to them too. You mm-hmm. know, we, her uncle is, runs a orphanage down in Mexico, as you know. Sure. We support them. Yeah. You know, it's like. God puts those things in your heart, and when He knows that you're a generous and joyful giver, He gives you opportunities to. And let's to give. face it: when you do give, however that looks, 
I mean, maybe you maybe you don't feel the, the amount of joy when you just drop it in the offering plate, but uh, or the basket. Now nowadays, and I'm glad churches have gone to that way. That way, rather than passing around that offering plate, put a basket back there, and people drop in what they can. You mm-hmm. know, but uh, maybe you don't feel that amount of joy when you do drop that in every week but when you do end up like giving it to that stranger that needs a hotel room for the night or those poor in in this situation those poor people that were probably begging out front of the temple as these rich people walked in there's more joy in that right you know and there's there's a bigger testimony in that too sure because you're obviously you're not gonna most people are not gonna just give somebody some money and keep walking you're gonna have a conversation with them and then that's your opportunity to share Jesus. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's like you've been blessed. God's and you're acknowledging whatever you have, you didn't get it by your own means. You know, just like our salvation. Mm-hmm. We're not righteous on our own. We're, we didn't earn our salvation. It was given to us as a gift. And that's why we should be spreading the gospel because it's like, dude, I just got this great gift. <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. like, <laughs> you, you can have it too. Like, you know, and you want to share that. It's the same with your wealth and your money and mm-hmm. whatever you have. It's like, all these things came from God. So I see someone like those kids begging in the beginning of Aladdin, going through the trash. You see someone in need. I mean, his was obviously ill-gotten gain. <laughs> you know, he stole the loaf of bread. Right. But same principle applies. You see someone else that needs it more than you do, you give it to him. But then look at the godly principles, even in a simple little uh, cartoon, mm-hmm. a Disney cartoon, that... And that's exactly, you can take that, you can take that whole situation, what happened earlier, you're not, God's not going to give you double your paycheck next week. But what happened in Aladdin is you can see God in that too. He sacrificed, he was hungry, sacrificed that. And what happens in the end? He becomes like a prince or something crazy like that. Prince Ali. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and then he has an overabundance. Yes, God will do that. But don't, don't give in with the expectation of receiving right it's your it's a heart condition fix that heart condition first and then give with a joyful heart well and i think in most churches that's what the pastor should be focusing on if you don't see enough bills in that bin at the the back you have a different problem going on at that church you know like the people's hearts aren't right yeah you know don't condemn them for not giving because you're condemning their heart condition yeah. Right. That should be as a as a pastor. That should be a a double down situation. Like, okay, I need to start like figuring out. Maybe I'm not preaching the right messages, and maybe I'm not quite right with the Lord, or, or you know, well, however that looks. You get to pray and and double down and really get to hammering home on you know allowing the Holy Spirit to work. Well, generosity is a fruit of the Spirit. You know exactly. Like, so if your people, none of your congregation have the spirit, they're not going to be generous. Yeah. Yeah. But so in, in the notes here, I, I am referencing uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 38, because I had said that give to him what is his, which we already covered that, is that everything we have is his in the first place. And so uh, so if you give, then he will bless you. So in, uh, I Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says, Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap. You you quoted it earlier. Uh, a good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, with no space left for more. For the standard of measurement you use when you do good to others, it will be measured to you in return. 
Yep. Um, the other verse I thought of that's kind of similar was Luke 18, 10, um, talking about the Pharisee and the tax collector praying. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Pharisee took his stand um, and began to pray thus before with, and with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like the rest of the men, extortioners, robbers, swindlers, unrighteous in heart and life, adulterers, or even like this tax collector here. I fast twice a week. I give tithes on all that I gain. Uh, but the tax collector, merely standing at a distance, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his breast, saying, O oh God, be favorable, be gracious, be merciful to me, that I am especially wicked, the wicked, uh, the especially wicked sinner that I am. And Christ said, you know, I, I tell you, this man went down to his home justified, forgiven, and made upright, uh, rather than the other man, who everyone exalts himself uh, for, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who hum- humbles himself will be exalted. So it's kind of the same principle, you know, like one guy's up there beating his chest, showing everyone, you know, yeah. let me write this big, you know, those checks that they used to write, like when you won the yeah. golf tournament. You know? yeah, exactly. Like, Here's my check to the church, everyone, you know, get a Facebook selfie with it. And yeah, versus like the guy that's just like, man, I don't have much, you know, but mm-hmm. what I do have, I want to honor you, God, like, or I, I want, I have 50 bucks to eat this weekend, but this yeah. missionary came in on Sunday and man, they're hurting more. I'm just going to give him 40 bucks. I can, I can get some ramen and sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and that goes into the next point is giving, uh, most likely a lot of times for a lot of people can be a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Giving is a sacrifice. And he when like, we going to reiterate myself here and saying that God wants our heart to be in the right place, but it, it, it has like you, like you're making a point there. Christian is that it's not about the money, right? What, what does it all boil down to? It boils down to uh, being submissive and obedient to the Lord. Yep. And it's funny you said sacrifice because that's exactly the next point I had written. I did Cain and Abel, but then I, I wrote a, a true sacrifice cost you something. Otherwise, it's not really a sacrifice. Um, those God blesses with abundance have a higher obligation to uh, ensure that they share and care for those that are less fortunate. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's got to cost you something, you know, it's, I don't know. And I think that that's the heart of generosity, you know, it's, yeah. you know, can you give a little bit out of your extra? Sure. Is it going to hurt you? No. You know, it's like, Oh, I got, I got enough to cover my stuff, but it's when you dig in deeper mm-hmm. and it's going to cost you something to give that amount. Yeah. You know, and maybe you're not going to pay your bill to your, your electricity might get shut off because you're keeping someone else's on, you know, like. That's the generosity I think God sees. Mm-hmm. And it's not about posting it on Facebook. It's about doing it in secret. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. So to round that out, the, the widow, she obviously gave more than everyone because of her heart uh, being in the right place as opposed to the prideful giving of the rich people. So, uh, okay, so now moving on because... <laughs> Man, we really went into that. I had a whole two pages on the widow. <laughs> There's a lot. We may not even make it all the way through Luke 10, uh, the, uh, chapter 21 tonight. Which, um, don't worry about it. Everybody listening, uh, that's normal. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, There's a lot to say. There's a lot to there talk is. about. And it's, it, that's how cool uh, God's Word is. Is that you can't hardly make it. We talked for something like 30 some odd minutes uh, over four verses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack. 
yeah. in God's Word. And we could come back in a couple of months and probably unpack even more with just the four verses. Just, I mean, you went all the way back to Genesis. <laughs> we went other places in New Testament. You know, like this is the same principles being applied across the Bible. Yeah. And that's what's great. You know, Jesus is consistent. His word is consistent. Mm-hmm. He's telling the same thing over and over again, just in different ways. So it's like, how do I hammer this home with these people? Exactly. <clears throat> but so then as some of them were talking about the temple, uh, that it was decorated with beautiful stones and consecrated offerings. So this is, um, it says in here that as some were talking, and he's these are the disciples talking from what I could yep. uh, get out of some of the commentary that I was reading. <clears throat> so they're talking about how glorious this temple is and um, how far, oh, five and six. Okay, so six goes on to say, as for all these things which you see, the time will come when there will be not one stone left on another and that will not be torn down. That will not be torn down, sorry. Okay, so now, <laughs> now we're really getting into uh, some other, we're, we're getting into something, and this is why I said that we may not be, and get through this today. But, uh, so what's what's Jesus talking about here? He, Jesus is referring to the destruction of Jerusalem, which is going to happen 40 years in the future. Mm-hmm. And, uh by Rome and the temple uh, to which they've come to idolize will be destroyed. But uh, time and time again, Jesus has pointed out that he is greater than the temple. He is the temple. Right. So as we'll see in John, if you look up John chapter 2, verses 19, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. He's talking about the, he's talking about the body. Right. You know, now, now we know that we are the temple. And uh, so anyway, he's kind of putting those two things together. Right. And uh, he, he's showing his, that he is greater than the temple. Right. Yeah. Um, I had the same, I'll, I'll skip down to my notes because it kind of goes along with it. Uh, I was thinking of the Samaritan woman that was at the well. Um John four twenty one, she said. When he told her, "Woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor the temple in Jerusalem, uh, but a time is coming, and in fact is already here, when true true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit from the heart, the inner self." Um, and it's like the same principle, you know, like the temple is no longer the temple. Mm-hmm. What happened after he was crucified? The veil was torn. Yeah. You know, it was kind of that way of worshiping him was on its way out. You know, and he said, the time is coming. In fact, it's here. Here I am. You know, yeah, like, exactly. And they, and they still idolized it. Well, they did. I read that uh, people swore on the temple. Mm-hmm. Like people would swear to God. Um, and the temple was basically worshipped because it was so magnificent, so glorious. Mm-hmm. Um, Tactius it was a Roman historian. Uh, he called the temple immensely opulent, which means like... I don't even know what that word is. <laughs> totally overdone. Like gold everywhere, gems everywhere. Like the amount of gold and silver. and I mean, it was quite the thing to behold. Where, And obviously the, the Jews were very proud of it. You know, the disciples were proud of it. Yeah. Um, Matthew 24, 1, what you were saying earlier. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. Do you have that written down too? Well, yeah, go ahead and read that because coming into verse 7 is uh, we're getting into 
Matthew's account there. So go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say what, what you were saying earlier, that he was talking to the disciples. He was. Uh, 24.1 says, Jesus departed from the temple area and was going on his way when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to the buildings of the temple and point them out to him. So it's, you know, the, the disciples were even proud. And, and I, I wrote down as well, you know, they probably, um, I think it says in, in here, they're consecrated offerings. Uh, these were gift offerings for the decoration of the temple and included gold and silver plated gates, grape wine clusters, uh, Babylonian linen tap tapestries, which hung from the temple as veil. Um, and I think that was kind of one of the ways the Jews would make an offering. So it's likely the disciples themselves had put into the offering to make this temple even more glorious. Yeah. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. So that's, and that's why, that's where we go in verse seven is there is that the disciples, they ask him, teacher, when will all these things happen? And what will be the sign when these things are about to happen? So now you've, you've gone into Matthew 24. And from what I could, in studying for this, the scholars referred to this teaching as the Olivet Discourse. Mm. And um, obviously, because I, I don't know why they called it that, but it was that, that's what scholars are calling it. And because he was teaching his disciples at this point on the Mount of Olives. <laughs> no, makes sense, all of it. Yeah, so so what we're going to start seeing here is similarities between the destruction of Jerusalem and the end of time, which is Christ's return. The commentary that I was reading suggests that this destruction was a foreshadowing of what is to come when Jesus comes back. Yep. But we're seeing here uh, what we're going to see in Luke. Luke is focusing more on the imminent destruction, the what's going to happen 40 years later, um, whereas Matthew 24, 15 focuses on what will happen in the end times. And, uh, yeah, so anyway, so we can go to, do you have that pulled up? Matthew 24? Yeah. Which verse? 24:15. So when you see the appalling sacrilege or the abomination that astonishes and makes desolate, spoke, spoken of by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, let the reader take notice and ponder and consider and heed this. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not come down and go into the house to take anything. And let him who is in the field not turn back to get his overcoat. Okay. Yeah, so you could have stopped at 15. There. Oh, sorry. He, would, uh, he calls this the abomination of desolation. And this comes out of Daniel chapter 9. Which I I think is very yeah nine twenty seven. It's funny that you know he would go here. I mean, I got it. You got it. Okay, okay. I can't. And he shall enter into a strong and firm covenant with the many for one week or seven years, uh, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and offering to cease for the remaining three and a half years, um, which is referred to. I'd written down because um, I don't know that I really understand this uh, in quotations this abomination of desolation what it, Jesus is referring to you know it's so it suggested that th what what verse did you read out of Daniel there uh, it's nine twenty seven that's nine twenty seven okay so it suggested that this could either be a person or an object. Um, 
But either way, it happens prior to God's final judgment. Well, desolate is in here. Uh, I'll read on. And upon the wing of a pinnacle or pinnacle of abomination shall come one who makes desolate until the full determined end is poured out on the desolator. Interesting. <laughs> I mean, this is this is probably a whole another podcast we could do on that. And we're going to get into it a little bit, me, you and I, uh, because we brought up, you know, I, I talked to you about those other um, topics that I want to cover, and this will come up again. So There's a couple other verses in Daniel I mentioned. Um, 1131, and armed forces of his shall appear in the Holy Land, and they shall pollute the sanctuary, the spiritual stronghold, and shall take away the continual daily burnt offering. They shall set up in the sanctuary the abomination that astonishes and makes desolate, probably an altar to a pagan god. Uh, the last one was Daniel 12, verse 11. Yep, sorry, 12, 11. And from the time from that the time that the continual burnt offering is taken away, and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be a hundred one thousand two hundred ninety days. Hmm. So that kind of corresponds. Um, with uh, what he's saying, that some scholars point to the suggestion that Jesus is speaking of this 1,260 days uh, or three and a half years is linked to the Great tri- Tribulation. Oh, interesting. Hold on just a second. Okay. All right. We're back. Um, and I think talking about that was um, the Antichrist in Revelation that would be raised up in the East and the Jews would be following him first and say like, um, he was going to come and give them back the land and lead them to victory. And then he eventually wants to be worshiped by the Jews. And he puts like an, his image in the temple and wants them to do offering. And that's when the Jews finally like, we're not doing that. Oh, okay. So I think that's the abomination that might be referring to in Daniel in the temple. Okay. All right. Hold on just a second. Yeah, we rock stuck to my feet and everything. Okay. All right. I don't know how that's going to turn out, but we'll see how that. (laughs) Okay. So, yeah. Uh, Verse 8. He says to be careful and to see to it that you're not misled. Mm. For many uh, will come in my name, uh, appropriating for themselves the name Messiah, which belongs to me alone saying, I am he, and the time is near. Do not follow them. Yep, I wanted to stop there. <laughs> but, uh, so what is he doing here? He's warning them. As we should, you know, Jesus is warning them about this. Because if if you get to look in and you get to research and all this, there were people even after Christ ascended into heaven, right. there were people that came after him that claimed to be the Messiah. Right. And so he's warning them, but we should take warning now because how many people have we uh, have we seen now, even in our time claiming to either uh, we'll get into that here in a minute. But so this this imminent destruction is going to feel like the end of the world. Right. This this is what he's trying to get. He's trying to prepare them that uh, whatever's going to happen to Jerusalem. It, I mean, it's going to we we know now that it's. <laughs> That's going to be destroyed completely. Right. And it is so completely that they couldn't even find the temple again. Right. But, um, uh, it's going to feel like the end of days. 
Right. And then, and then, uh, so it's going to feel like the end of the world as they know it. So Jesus is telling not only uh, telling them not to be deceived, and we see it nowadays. People claiming uh, the, they are the Messiah or the end is near, you know, and, and so on. Yeah, the end has been drawing near since Jesus left, and the true Messiah. Uh, here, here's the thing. Let me see. Okay, yeah. So if anybody is claiming to be the Messiah, chances are they're not the Messiah. Because right. what do we know? What do we know that God's word has told us that if they've got to say that they're the Messiah, I mean the 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 true Messiah, Jesus, won't have to announce. <laughs> Everybody's gonna know when he comes back. Right. Because you know, because he is the true Messiah. You, you People claiming to be the Messiah aren't. Uh, I think that that's one of the prophecies out of Revelation is that um, the Jews who denied him, that he was the Messiah for so long, when he returns, he's going to show them his hands and <laughs> the crucifixion, you know, the stigmata in his hands, mm -hmm. and they'll believe finally. You know, like, oh, wow, this was the guy we crucified 2,000 yeah. years ago. You know? Yeah. And so here's the thing. What does... What do all these false teachers uh, have? What 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 does it cause? And I, I pulled up this thing in 1846. A, a mm -hmm. guy by the name of William Miller, he uh, was claiming that the end was near and everything like that. And when it never, you know, he he knew he was prophesying and saying he knew exactly when the end, when Jesus was coming back. Or I, I don't know the full story, but what did it lead to? It led to a whole bunch of disappointment. You know, because so Jesus is telling the disciples, don't don't follow after these people. Don't chase after them. Don't believe them. Because for one, you're going to know when the true Messiah returns. It, it's going to be, you know, just like the cross was a spectacle. Not, And I'm not saying that in a bad way. But not just like that was a big ordeal. So will, so much more will be his return. Right. So, um, so what happened that, with this William Miller is that there was a lot of falling away. There was in it. It even brought about about a bunch of cults. I don't know if you dug into it at all. Yeah, I saw and basically he just misinterpreted the the prophecy, where he saw that it said um, Christ was going to enter in and cleanse the temple, mm -hmm. uh, and he was doing like the math, you know, from the Bible, saying, well. Based off the math and the number of years and everything, like that's how he figured out that date. Oh. Um, but then he came back afterwards, like when it didn't happen, and he was talking with his friend, and they went back into the Bible, and I don't remember the exact details, but basically it said like Jesus was going to enter the Holy of Holies and cleanse the temple, and it was true, but it was in the heavenly sanctuary it wasn't on the uh, earthly oh, sanctuary oh, okay yeah. so it was like well and maybe in heaven you know like he has entered into that chamber and like he's like he's preparing yeah but they kind of misinterpreted it so hmm. i think that's another danger you know like you try to be your own interpreter interpreter of prophecy and it's like you're gonna get yourself bit you know like, i think that's why a lot of people are so when it comes to eschatology and uh the study of the, which is the study of end times, and which we're going to do on this podcast too, but there there will be a disclaimer there that this is, we're going to take our uh, 
what the Holy Spirit is leading us to, um, you know, how he's working in through the scriptures. Right. You know, and that's, we're not going to be claiming that there's, that we have the end date. <laughs> right. As much as we would love to see, you know, know when that is or see it. Oh. You know, right. I, I think that's why people get, what I'm trying to get at here is that's what I think a lot of people uh, are afraid of Revelation or even Daniel. Yeah. Well, it's, I think it shows kind of where your heart's at you know like we shouldn't be fearful of, of when the lord's coming hmm. you know we should be excited and be ready we should have our lamps trimmed and full of oil with backup oil ready to go yeah you know and i think your heart condition should be like man i'm i'm tired of this world <laughs> you know, i'm tired of my job i'm tired of paying bills i'm tired of my family dying and getting sick you know like i can't wait to move on to the next existence where all those things are gone I yeah. just get to spend eternity with Jesus. It's like, you don't need to worry about when it's coming. You don't need to even worry about what's going to happen. You know, even if you're a pre-tribulation believer or post-tribulation believer, all you have to know is have your heart right, follow the Lord, and you're going to be okay. Yep. He's going to see you through it one way or the other. You're going to arrive at the destination. You yeah. Know, if you don't believe that he's going to rapture you before the tribulation, um, we read, um, where is it? where he said that he's going to shorten the days. Uh, for, the, for the sake of God's chosen ones, these days will be shortened. And that's where it got to the Daniel scripture about those three and a half years. Oh, I got you. But, hmm. So it's like there are going to be some of God's elect here on earth during this tribulation. Mm -hmm. And he says, I think as we get a little further, I don't want to skip ahead, but um, basically no human being would be able to survive what he's going to do. Yeah. So... And he it, cuts it short. To yeah. Get, uh, uh, the believer's out. Right. Oh, uh, we'll get into it. Yeah, yeah. Another podcast. Another okay. podcast. Okay. okay. So, but as we get closer to the end days, we should remember, um, it, hey, if you would uh, pull up 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, I'm going to read Matthew uh, chapter 7, 15 through 20. 1 John uh, what? 4, verse 1. 4, 1. Okay. Yeah. So here, as we get closer to these end days... One should remember uh, chapter seven or chapter seven in Matthew fifteen through. Beware of false prophets and teachers who come to you dressed as sheep, appearing gentle and innocent, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. That is by their uh, contrived doctrine and self-focus. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the unhealthy tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by the fruit, by their fruit, you will recognize them as false prophets. Hmm. And what was the uh, First uh, John four verse one? Beloved, do not put faith in every spirit, but prove or test the spirits to discover whether they proceed from God. For many false prophets have gone forth into the world. That's what Jesus is uh, getting here in verse 8 is, uh, and, and what we've been talking about is to uh, watch out for these, these false prophets, these false teachings. You know, what do, we, what do we have to do as Christians? Keep God's word close to heart and, and you will not be deceived. So God 
has provided, and if, if, if we were videotaping this, you know, I'm holding the Bible here. Uh, God's provided what we need to know right here in his word. Right. And the more we know it, the more the more it's written on our hearts, and the better we'll be able to discern false teachers, false doctrine, uh, discern, uh, and that's why it's so important to be studying God's word uh, on a daily basis. Which, that brings me to that Joshua verse that I told you I wrote in that little sub-note. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it's just, it, it is. That's, you know, the more... You know, that's why sometimes we can sit here without even notes or or whatever, is because, you know, you study God's Word on a daily basis, and it, it, it's written on your heart. You, right. you, it's somewhere in your subconscious. It, The Holy Spirit will recall it when you need it. Uh, and like you said, the more, the more you read it, the more it does that. Because like today when I was, you know, getting ready and going through Luke 21, there was a lot of scripture that just... I was reminded of, you know, like the two guys praying, like that came into my mind, the Samaritan woman at the well and how Jesus was talking about the temple. You know, you're not going to worship at the temple anymore after a time. If those things are just, they stick with you. And as you read scripture, what's beautiful to me is the Holy Spirit will remind you of other scripture that kind of relates to that one. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, that's right. He said this too. And like you just did. You go back to Genesis. Look at Cain and Abel. Mm-hmm. You know, we can go back to Joseph. We can go back to Moses. You know, we see these same behaviors, and we, not just of humans, but of God, too. Yeah. Where God sees a problem, and what does he do? He chastises them, or he'll turn them over to the Midianites or the Philistines to be yep. you know, enslaved for a little while. And then, yeah, we just I like to see those patterns emerge. So Joshua 1, verse 8 <clears throat> says here, I mean, and the whole Bible is good. And right. we've talked about this before, that even the Old Testament still has a lot to teach us. Yeah. And so, uh, this book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall read and meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything in accordance with all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will be successful. I know that is talking about the law. It's talking about Moses' law and what was written down in there. But, and I know it's almost kind of a little taken out of context, but I think that we can apply it to God's Word in full and what we have in God's Word right now. That's what they had then. They had Moses' law. That was their Bible. So um, when he makes this statement, we can take it and apply it to today as the whole infallible word of God. Right. Right? Yep. Am I am I wrong in No, God's <laughs> word will never contradict itself. Right. Yep. So that's why I read that we were in uh, we were in Bible study the other night and I was like, oh I gotta write that down. You know, because it goes to right in line with why um, the more you know it, the more you will you'll be less um, susceptible to deception well, yeah. by false teachers. False teachers in the world in general, you know, like the morals that the world have don't line up with God's morals. And right. if you know what's in here in the book, then when you hear something that's conflicting to that, it's a heart check. You're like, oh, wait, no, I think the Bible says something about that. Right. Yeah. And even if you don't remember it, you know, it's in there. Yeah. And you still know and right. because God's word and the Holy Spirit's work in your life inside of you, that's. That's what it, it, they 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 all work together, right? 
And we're going to get into that too, because later on in this chapter, if we make it there, <laughs> time-wise, <laughs> uh, we're going to see we're going to see when it comes to persecution and all that. You know, we'll, we'll get into that. But um, verse nine. When you hear of wars and disturbances, mm-hmm. civil unrest, revolts, uprisings, do not panic, for these things must take place first, but the end will not come immediately. Now I'm going to go I'm going to read through 11 though. Then Jesus told them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be violent earthquakes and in various uh, places famines and deadly and devastating pestilences, plagues, epidemics. And there will be terrible sights and great signs from heaven. Oh my goodness! Doesn't that sound familiar? Yes. <laughs> and we're, and we're we're getting it's getting even better. The more we read in this, it's getting even better. Um, you know, have you heard what the you know, you're going to hear people saying? Have you heard what the government is doing? Right. Yeah. Have you heard what they're doing now? Um, there's a pandemic. Gas prices are on the rise. Ukraine is at war with Russia. There's riots in the streets. The Black Lives Matter agenda. I, I could go on. Yep. And then and then what what's the next question on the people's mouths? I had this guy. There was a guy that came into uh, the shop, and they, they keep telling me he's he's way out. He's he's out there. He's a conspiracy theorist. You know, conspiracy theorist and stuff. And uh, he he's like he got in my face one day. He's like, are you not? And this is where I came up with this in my notes. And people will ask you, are, are you not worried about what's going on in our country or in the world? It's like, no, I'm not worried about what's going on in the world or the country. I don't watch the news. I don't care. Right. You know? Yeah. You know why? Because, uh, because Jesus already warned us that this was going to happen. Right. No, he said, so what were they all... Um... Wars, earthquakes, famines, fearful sights, signs in the heavens, um, but yet none of these are specific signs of his imminent coming, or immediate coming, I should say. Right. Right? Um, and Matthew 24, 8, we'll go back to Matthew 24, it was, he called it the beginning of sorrows, or the labor pains. Um, but we see that just as true with labor pains... Um, they will increase and intensify and become mm. more frequent, mm-hmm. right? So, like all these things have happened from the dawn of time. Yeah, there's always been war. There's always been earthquakes. There's always been comets in the sky that people freaked out about. You know, <laughs> I'm sure there's somebody claiming that this is the end of the world. That the comet passing by right now. I mean, I see it. I, you know, I, I don't watch the news, but I do kind of pay attention to interesting little articles that come through when I pull up Google. Right. But. Uh, to, to say I'm dwelling on them? No. You know you know why? Because my peace is in the Lord. Right. It's not... And my, my peace is not in what or how the world is doing. You know, because I look forward to a much better place. Uh, right. No matter what is going on here. Right. Well, and we said earlier, or maybe as we were just talking earlier, um, this begin or this part of the chapter of 21 is not just prophesying the end times for earth and his return, but also the end of Jerusalem. Right. Right. Like what's about to happen in AD 70 when the Romans come and (laughs) tear it all up. Right. Decimate it. So it's like, there's, they're kind of, they 
they're two different events, but the same kind of things took place. You know, like they're the same yeah. lines were in front of them. Well, like we said before, it's it's a foreshadowing of of two different events. Right. That uh, yeah, and like we talked earlier, I think we were talking on the phone about it. it, it it's history repeating itself, and right. that is proven. History repeats itself. Right. And yet we still don't <laughs> learn from it. Right. You're doomed to repeat it, right? Yeah. You forget it. And it's like, what did the, we see in the Old Testament with the, the Israelis, the Jews? They continue to forget. And what happened? They repeat. They go back into slavery. Yeah. They build up the temple. Then they forget. Well, what happened? Gets destroyed. They get reinvaded. They get reconquered again. I know it. It's like, and, you know, here's a little side note before I go on to this. Uh, let me put that marker in there. Um, I was thinking this uh, today. I was listening to a podcast. And... Uh, they were, I don't know, they were talking about the Pharisees and all the different rules. Oh, it was, it was earlier on in, in Luke where uh, he didn't wash his hands, oh, like yeah. ceremonially, ceremonially wash his hands. And we've been over that on this podcast. But, um, you know, it, it got me to thinking, like, you almost are a little empathetic to the Israelites or, the you know, the Jews in, in a way, like, the reason they had all these rules, yes, is they were trying to, there's legalism, and we know their true hearts, because uh, God's said it in there. But you do get a little empathetic at times with them, because um, they're, they're trying, like us, nowadays, we're not, we don't want to screw up. We want God's will to be done in our lives, and but they, they came up with all these different rules because they're just trying to they're trying to stay on the straight and narrow right I mean there's there's got to be part of that I could be totally wrong no, you're but right. you think that all these rules that they've got uh, that they're just trying to live them out to a T because they're afraid of screwing up they've screwed up over thousands of years right <laughs> and it doesn't as I just had that passing thought today it's like hmm well Maybe the reason they have all these rules and that they're so, you know, um, for lack of a better word, anal at keeping all of them is because they don't want to screw up again. <laughs> well, think of like your kid and how literally they can take you yeah. when you ask them not to do something, right? If you tell them, don't, don't come in here, I'm going to be doing a podcast, mm -hmm. it's like, okay. So they'll sit out there and they'll throw rocks at the door. <laughs> right. right. Which is what you heard earlier. Right. It's a good example. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, and if you don't go out and say, do not throw rocks at the door or I need you to go in the house, you know, like you have to be very literal, black and white with them. Mm -hmm. Otherwise they'll, they'll see how they can dodge it and still fulfill their intended purpose, yeah. but also be obedient in the same time. Mm -hmm. So like the Pharisees did that. They kept... They had one rule and they keep hedging it and hedging it and hedging it. And it was like became so ridiculously obtrusive to even get close to breaking that one rule of don't come in here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So it's like and that's what the Jews were faced. That was a yoke that was placed on them. It's like they wanted to make sure that they did not, you know, break the Sabbath. So you can't do this. You can't do this. You can't. You know, they had all these rules because they didn't know exactly what it meant. Or the people might question them all the time. Be like, you know what? You can't do anything. Right. You know, like, well, I mean, because well, just think about it. You've spent a lifetime, generations, uh, f falling away, being redeemed, falling away, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> you know. And, yeah, you almost you almost get to feeling sorry for them a little bit. When you feel bad, too, because, like, they actually had to, like, most of them had to e either sacrifice their flock if they feel like they sinned to atone mm -hmm. for it. 
Or they'd have to pay for an animal to sacrifice to atone for it. Right. You know, like, whereas us as Christians now, you know, obviously Paul addresses this in his, in his letters, but we have kind of a, an open checkbook, you know, like we can sin mm-hmm. all the time. We, it doesn't really cost us anything. Right. You know, that doesn't give you it. It doesn't disclaimer. Right. It doesn't, <laughs> it give, doesn't you, give you a license to sin. Right. Certainly not, is what he says, right? Right, exactly. Should, should we continue to sin so his grace may become more abundant? Certainly not. Right. You know, we're not supposed to keep sinning, but we do have, like, I can blow it every single day on the same thing, and I can actually repent and go back to God and say, forgive me, Lord, I sin yeah. again. And he will. Yeah. I don't have to kill a sheep or a goat or a pair of doves. I don't have to <laughs> do any of that stuff. You yeah. Know, like, God will just openly forgive me because of Christ's sacrifice. Yeah, and it's it's nice. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's it's great. What other what other religion in the world is like that? Where it's just like hey, you're good. Well, even Catholicism, you go into confession with the priest, and he'd send you out and say, "All right, say ten Hail Marys and five Our Fathers." Yeah, <laughs> it's like that yeah. was your penance. You know, you had yeah, to- you're still having to work for your salvation. It's right. like you know, you live that whole week if you don't make it to confession. You know, you live that whole week in shame. Right. There's priests that used to beat their backs with a whip. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's hardcore, you know? Like, yeah. I'm going to physically harm myself as a penance for my sin. And it's like, I just see Jesus like, no. You know, like. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, from some of the sermons that I've listened to, that's demonic. Right. <laughs> yeah. Hurting yourself in penance for a religion is demonic. Right. <laughs> well, Christ is sitting there like, isn't what I did enough? You know, right. like, I paid this price, you know, like, yeah, it's like you paid the bill at the restaurant and your friend still wants to throw 50 bucks in the till, you know, like I already paid it, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Like, is my payment not enough? It is. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, let me think here. So we're still on, um, we're nine through 11. There'll be violent earthquakes. Um, Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And here's the here's the bottom line, okay? That not the bottom line, but here's kind of what we're getting at here with I'm not worried about what's going on in the world. Uh, Paul makes a Paul makes a really good statement in chapter 13. And it and the title of it in if you look it up in the Bible is to be subject to the government. Hmm. What we've got to remember, and it's I'll, I'll read it real quick, one through seven. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, granted by his permission and sanction. And those uh, which exist have been put in place by God. That's generally the, um, you can go, I, I, therefore, whoever resists governmental authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who have resisted it will bring judgment, civil penalty on themselves, for civil authorities are not a source of fear for people of good behavior, but for those who do evil. Mm -hmm. Do you want to be unafraid of authority? Uh, Do what is good and you'll receive approval and uh, commendation. Uh, And for he is God's servant to you for good. But if you do wrong, you should be afraid, for he does not carry the executioner's sword for nothing. He is God's servant and an avenger who brings punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be subject to civil authorities not only to escape the punishment that comes with the wrongdoing, but also as a matter of principle, knowing what is right before God. For the same reason, you pay taxes for civil authorities are God's servants devoting themselves to governance. Pay to all what is due, tax 
to whom taxes do customs to whom customs uh, respect to whom respect uh, honor to whom honor uh, yeah that's that's it on that the idea of it is that God's ordained whoever as much as we hate to admit it Biden's our president and God has put him in that place yep and, and you know it pains most of us to say that, right. but it, it's the truth. Just like Jesus said, pay to Caesar what is Caesar's. Right. You know, who's, whose face is on that coin? Right. Caesar's. He doesn't care about money. And so God is, and we could go back and forth all day long about how much more is God going to take care of us, you know, because we are his children. Right. You know, how much more... Uh, what is that? Uh, it was earlier on in Luke. You know, would you give your son a scorpion instead of uh, if he asked you for, for bread? For bread, yeah. you know, how much more will God take care of you? So that is the reason why we don't, you know, have to worry about it because God has placed, God has His hands in everything. Well, and that's just it. You know, like look what the story of Joseph in Egypt, right? What his brothers meant for evil, God used for good. Yeah. Right. So even what's going on in the world right now, Biden being president, leading this country into even more chaos and rebellion, that's all part of God's plan. Well, think about it. Think about it. If, you, if everybody in their uh, job hates their boss, they're unified. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, so then everybody gets unified. Right. We see, like, Jesus going to the cross. You mm-hmm. know, like... I'm sure Satan was stoked, you know, like, we're going to kill him, we're going to kill him. And like, you know, the Pharisees were, kill him, crucify him, Mm -hmm. you know, and like, little did they know that was God's plan all along. You know, Christ knew he was going to the cross. Yeah. And what was he going to do? He was going to save the world. Mm -hmm. It's like, God, the world is trying to kill us. The world is trying to harm us and do us wrong. But that's God's plan the whole time. You know, he planned every one of these, even the things that we see and say, these are evil. These are bad. It's like, No. These are all necessary evils to accomplish his will and his agenda. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's see here. Oh, um, a little side note on this here is uh, I, say, I, I kind of wrote in my notes. I said, well, cause I had, sometimes when I'm making notes, i got to write myself because I get on a tangent, even <laughs> writing out notes and stuff. And I said, we'll get into the warnings of the end days on another podcast but I, I started going down as I was studying for this one. I was going into First, Second Timothy. Mm-hmm. I was reading through all that. I was like, "Holy cow!" As we we could go down a huge rabbit hole on this. But uh, I was like, "We'll get into that on another podcast." <laughs> but if they, if anybody listening wants to go and read, go read First and Second Timothy. It's there's a lot of uh, good stuff on uh, Jesus's return. Right. Right. Yep. Well, and that's just it, dude. Go back to your last point. You know, we know what the end of the plan is. We know the end game. We yeah. know how this turns out. Yeah. So it's like we shouldn't be. What does he say in the end of uh, verse nine? When you hear of all this stuff, do not panic. Right. These things must take place, but the end the end will not come immediately. So it's like. He's telling you right there. Don't panic when you see this stuff going on. But don't darn. Right. You know, if I'm seeing it, I'm obviously, you, you, you want to think that you're getting close to the end. Right. You know? Just like I've talked about here numerous times. It's like, oh, man, it's getting worse. All right. You know, Jesus coming back. You know, am I going to see it in person? 
Yeah. You know? Yeah, we will, but am I going to see it without death? <laughs> you know, without uh, you know, fle- you know, physical death, you yeah. know? Well, every generation, I think, thinks they're the last generation. You know, like yeah. going back to 1846 and even probably before right. that. The Crusades, they probably thought those were the end of the days. You know, like 1846, they thought they knew the world was going to end. You know, World War One. I'm sure they thought that was going to be the I'm end. I'm sure that looked like the end of the world. Too. The Great Depression, the Holocaust. Oh, I'm sure God. that looked like the end. Yeah. Nazi Germany taking over the world. Well, that's the, that's that's the Antichrist. Antichrist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Here we still are, you know. Right. Yeah. And there, there's the promise right there. The end will not come immediately. So, but here we go, verse 12. But before all things, all these things, they will lay their hands on you and will persecute you, turning you over to the synagogues and prisons and bringing you before kings and governors for my name's sake. Um, this will be, I'm going to go uh, through 15. Okay. This will be a time and an opportunity for you to testify about me. So make up your minds not to prepare beforehand to defend yourselves, for I will give you skillful words and wisdom, which none of your opponents will be able to resist or refute. Mm-hmm. So Luke here is focusing on the more present future, but what Jesus is talking about is both the destruction of Jerusalem, as we've been talking, and the end times. So it appears uh, we as Christians will also be persecuted. We will see uh, we see that now, and maybe not to maybe not to this extent. But we, we do see some persecution now. Yeah. Well, and, and Jesus was describing what his disciples can expect to endure. Um, you know, we must remain faithful and persevere to victory so that our testimony can encourage others to do the same. You know, the disciples, I mean, they went to their own deaths still professing the gospel. Right. You know, it's like, and obviously that has an impact because it's like, well... Had they not really believed in Jesus, they probably would have given up and said, yeah, okay, none of that stuff really happened. You know, we're just kind of making it up. You're yeah. not going to go marching to your death and be crucified upside down or be skinned alive or burned. Burned or what was it? One, I think one of them was oiled. Or, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. There was, none it, of it was good. None of it was good. <laughs> none of it was a good, slow, you know, or was it, they were all a painful, slow death. Right. You know. And the what Jesus says here, you know, he'll... So he'll speak through the Spirit at the, the time that we're facing opposition with leaders. You know, like um, I wrote in here, the, the Greek word was uh, pro, promelietin. Yeah. Uh, did you get prom, that too? I, I, did, I did get that. <laughs> <laughs> I have that in my notes too. <laughs> to prepare beforehand or to practice a speech. You yeah. Know, so when you're, getting, when you're caught and they're going to put you on trial, like you shouldn't be in your cell practicing your speech about how you're going to defend yourself. Well, this is exactly what I was talking about earlier, just a little while ago, in the fact that that's why you should be, you know, how do we relate this to uh, nowadays, is get in your word mm-hmm. on a daily basis. Right. That way, when you are persecuted, when you are questioned, when you, it, however it looks, that the Holy Spirit can speak through you. He can bring things out of your mind that you have already been reading, that you already know in your heart because you've kept God's word close to your heart. Right. That's what it's talking about. It's like the Holy Spirit is going to intercede for you. Right. He'll the give Holy you the words to say when you need to say them. He yeah. said the same thing to the disciples when they, he sent them out on their mini mission to go, when he sent out the 70. Yeah, I, I wrote here, we as Christians can rely and trust in the Holy Spirit living inside of us to speak Act and reflect Jesus through us. 
Yeah. And so um, let's let's back up a little bit. So, you know, it says uh, they're going to lay their hands on you, persecute you, turn you over to synagogues and prisons. So the, per- the persecution can and will come from both religious and it can come from a religious side and the worldly side. You see that today. Uh, different denominations persecuting others, you know, right. when we have the same mission, when Jesus is the same mission. And yet you still see somewhat of a little bit of persecution, even coming from a religious side or um uh, we're being persecuted by the Islamists or the Hinduists and the, you know. Well, and even could be our own family members. Like, mm-hmm. I won't say who, but we've been persecuted by family members for doing what we're doing. You know, taking a step of faith and moving. It's yeah. like, well, we don't understand. Why would you do that? God wouldn't tell you to do that. It's <laughs> like, well, he did. <laughs> yeah. Are you God? Right. <laughs> yeah. like, I can't have a conversation with my sister about Jesus because she gets so super offended. Yeah, you know, like it, it ends our conversations for a while. It's like that's persecution. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can talk about the left all you want, and I just sit here and smile and take it. You know, even though I don't agree with it, I don't. I can't return that prosecution, nor do I want to. But I mean, obviously, we're not getting thrown in jails. We're not getting beaten. You know, we're not being killed in America for preaching God. But man, it seems like it's getting closer to that. Or check this out. A company can put in a Muslim prayer room right. in their bathroom, and yet uh, when you ask them, where's where's my prayer room as a Christian? Right. You, where can I pray to God? You know, which it's just a, all that is just a, uh, we can pray to God anywhere, you know, right. which is cool, you know, whatever. But it's just, that it's persecution. You're setting up this thing for you know, a company trying to... Uh, um, appeal to others, but not not everybody. And then, of course, they back up and they 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 say, "Oh, this is for everybody." Right. <laughs> well, and it's it, it boggles my mind because it's like, well, they'll look back over the, our last hundred years and they'll be like, "Well, look at all the privilege that you know Christians got in this country. That's why we're doing this today." I'm like, I didn't reap any of those benefits. <laughs> you know, like, no. At what point did I get benefits as a Christian in society? I don't think I've ever had any. Yeah. Last I checked, we're all humans. Right. We're just like, <laughs> you know, black folks today wanting reparations for something that happened to their great-great-grandparents. You didn't even know your great-great-grandparents. You, were you ever enslaved? Yeah. No. Like, why are we paying you for reparation? And yeah. I tell you, I, I love, I, I love everybody. I do too. I, black, white, red, yellow, however it looks. I don't care what color you are. I, I still I love you. Right. You know you're just me. you're no better than I am. I'm no better than you are. I was never a slave master. You were never a slave. Yeah. Like, exactly. The Indians, like I'm sorry for what happened. Like it sucks that you got conquered, but you did. Yeah. You're just another person. Right. Made in God's image, with a different tent. Right. <laughs> I tell the kids. We had uh, kittens a while back, and we had like six cats. Mm-hmm. Right. Six kittens. One was all black, one was calico, one was, you know, paler. And, like, that's how I taught skin color to my kids. Yeah. I'm like, did these kittens not all come from the same cat? Yes. Some of them are black. Some of them are multicolored. Some of them are brown. Yeah. You know, it's like, they're, but they're all the same cats, right? Yeah. And they totally got that. Yeah. That's, that's the truth. You know, that's, that's a good representation of God. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, our skin color means nothing. And when you use it to your advantage or people... 
it's it's sad when people are racist, you know, or prejudiced or whatever. And it's like that sucks. Yeah. But don't assume that I am because I'm not. I mean, you, the viewers can't see me. I'm brown, and most yeah. people think I'm Mexican. I'm right. not. I'm Sicilian. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, it's okay. You know, like it's all good. If you're not going to give me a job because you think I have brown skin, then okay, fine. That's cool. Yeah. I'm not going to go and try to create a new special interest group and try to, <laughs> you know, get people to be a proponent for me. Like, that's silly. Yeah. Yeah. Let's anyway. Just, yeah, that's, yeah, that's enough of that rabbit hole. Let's just unite <laughs> and under Jesus. That's exactly. it. But, uh, well, okay. So, yeah, but before all these things, I'll lay your hands on you. Okay. So when he goes on to say later on in the verse 12 there, turning you over to the synagogues and prisons and bringing you before kings, governors for my name's sake, this will be your time, uh, time and opportunity uh, for you to testify about me. Right. Uh, this stands true today just as much as it did back then. So you're going to have an opportunity. You will have an opportunity at some point to share your testimony or a part of it, or uh, or share Jesus in some way to people of power or authority, whether that's your boss, uh, a senior coworker, an elder, you know, like a grandparent or somebody that's somebody that's older than you. It doesn't even have to be a grandparent, but just somebody that's older than you. Those are all people that are more advanced than you are in years, right. in position, and you're going to have. We are all going to get an opportunity at some point to share Jesus uh, some form or fashion. Right. And that's that's what he's saying here. And, um, but, and, or in this case, it's it's kings and governors. And then that rounds us out to saying that we rely on the Holy, on the Holy Spirit to speak through us, act through us in those, in those times. Well, if you think about it, a lot of those audiences God will never have unless you're persecuted and get put in front of them. You know, like what other opportunity will they have a believer come up and just speak plainly the gospel to them? Right. You know, maybe never. Yeah. And, you know, it's just so, I don't know, this is, no, I'm not going to go into that because that's another rabbit hole. And it's just something I've been thinking about a lot lately is, is uh, older folks, mm-hmm. you know, people, um, advanced in years <laughs> older than me i i never had anybody disciple me no you know it just it's this is a completely off topic thing but kind of along the same lines it's like you you've had an opportunity these guys are going to have an opportunity to speak to higher authorities what about those what, what about those people that those that are advanced sharing their wealth of knowledge in the lord with people below them oh uh- one thing I've noticed getting older is the same thing I used to think was funny about old folks and me and my generation. I see now being passed down between me and the younger generation, <laughs> like millennials and stuff. Like I've never cared. I'm a Gen Xer, right? Yeah. And I don't really follow the whole social hype on any of that stuff, but like the baby boomers, the Gen, Gen X, the millennial, Gen Z, whatever. And it's like, you just see it's almost like you disdain youth because it's different than your generation. You know, like, Oh, your music sucks. Our music was way better. Yeah. You know, like things like that. Our fashion was way better. You guys look idiot, like, like, like idiots. You dress like fools, you know, like, yeah. So I, th- I think there's like some kind of pride in your generation, like that you guys got it right, you mm-hmm. know, and the younger generation is, Oh, they're fools. 
And I think that unfortunately that keeps being passed down. So like the older folks look at us with not disdain. Like I wouldn't say that, but like what I want to train a, a teenager. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. You know, like right. when I look at their generation, it doesn't bother me. It's like, you almost feel like they're not going to listen to you. It's like, well, they're not going to listen to me anyway. So it doesn't right. matter. <laughs> we should, you know, the, the, yeah. And it's like, at least like you and I are ages apart, you know, yeah. like, we wouldn't have been in the same high school. Mm-mm. I don't think you would have been in junior high. Well, you're 37, seven. So yeah, I'm 45. So yeah. 10 was what? 10 years, less, less than 10 years apart. Yeah. But I would have been in high school, finishing high school while you were going into junior high, you know, Dang. I, I tease Marshall about being grandpa on here, he, he, and he's younger than I am. <laughs> he's got he, he's got old man tendencies, but look at that! I brought a grandpa on. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I feel like one. But it's like we're still we're like friends. Like I don't see an age difference. Yeah, you know? and I think as you get older, I think that it continues to kind of mm-hmm. gray out. But yeah, no, unintended. No, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, generations need to pass it down and mentor the younger generations for sure. Yeah. Yep. So, well, I mean, it, we can we can win it, wing it, but this is where my notes stop. Oh, okay. <laughs> I had more, but no, you're good. We'll leave it. Uh, we can wing it because uh, I would like to get to a decent stopping point. I just had just really short ones. I could just go through maybe 20, 20 24, or 24. Um, yeah, let's finish this out here, and then uh, then we'll get into that uh, on another, another podcast here. Uh, but you will, verse 16, but you will be betrayed and handed over even by parents, brothers, and relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death, and you will continually... Uh, you will be continually hated by everyone because of your association by my name. I mean, we've we've kind of already covered that topic yeah, a little bit. We did. Is the uh, and I'm winging it here, but yeah, you're gonna see. But even Jesus said, "I ha- I've come here to divide, to divide." Yeah, you know, put you against your family, against mother, against daughter, and, son against and father. Mother, yeah. yeah, the whole the whole deal. And and that's because of his name, but here's here's his promise uh, in verse eighteen. But not a hair of your head will perish. Hmm. By your patient endurance, empowered by the Holy Spirit, there is there he is again. He's always there. You will gain your souls. So what you know that's that's what we can stand in. That's what we can have peace in. Is that we will not perish. That's what we look forward to. Our treasure is in heaven. That even though people can, you know, it's that old adage that uh, we used to say when we were kids, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> right? Yep. Well, in that verse um, 18, just like we said before, like, I, love, uh, I used to look past the cross reference in the Bible, like where it quoted another scripture. Yeah. But now I love it because like it sends you back to 1 Samuel 14, 45. Mm-hmm. Um, but the people said to Saul, shall Jonathan, who has wrought this great deliverance to Israel, die? God forbid. As the Lord lives, there shall not one hair of his head perish, for he has wrought this great deliverance with God this day. So there's the one hair, you know, shall not be harmed. But you got to love. 
I do like that because what does that show? And we see it time and time again reading through the Bible that, especially Jesus speaking, that he is he's putting this into a context that they will understand, that they uh, they know the stories. They right. know. I don't know if they would have had. They probably wouldn't have had First Samuel. Or would they? Yeah, they would. That's old OT. It's old test. Yeah, well, I know it's Old Testament, but I didn't know how far. I don't know. I think some. I know that um, some Jews were only stuck with the first five books. That's see. That's what I was thinking when I was get, making that comment. But anyway, these guys grew up knowing this stuff. So of course. You gotta love these little side notes, which I do. I am guilty of overlooking quite often, um, but he's he's putting it in a, in a way that they already understand. Right. Yep. Well, and tying it all together for us too, you know, like yeah, he knew this Bible was going to be produced that we'd be here two thousand years later reading these words that he's speaking in Jerusalem. That's yeah, pretty cool. That is cool. And so, by your patient endurance, patient endurance. What were what were we talking about in uh, Joshua on Tuesday, on Wednesday night? Be strong and courageous. Over right? and over again. Yep. Strong and courageous. In just the first chapter of Joshua, he said it something like four or five times. Yep. Be strong and courageous. By your patient endurance, empowered by the Holy Spirit, you will gain your souls. Right. Be strong and courageous. Right. You see, it's just, it's, it baffles me all the time, you know, just um, how way back when I disregarded the Old Testament as just a history lesson. You know? Well, think about it from his perspective. Like, they've been wandering the desert, right, 40 years. I mean, this is a grumbly bunch of people. They're at the river, and they're about to go, like, their leader, Moses... It just said sayonara. Yeah. Right? Like they haven't, like, so it's like a whole new generation that's about to cross this river into uncharted land. Yeah. There's giants there. There's a bunch of crazy people there. Everyone's going to be trying to kill you. Like, you're going to be scared. Mm-hmm. You know, Christ is there, like, hey, did I not command you? Be strong. Be courageous. I got you. You know, like, yeah. He has to re- keep reinforcing it, especially with us. Well, yeah. And just like that, and just like what he's trying to tell us here, is we're going to see riots we're going to see plagues or sicknesses and people killing people and be strong and courageous right be patient and endure right for the holy spirit is with you when you think of like um i always think of my prior military the guys that would come back and they'd have all these medals you know like because they endured something awful Mm -hmm. and i think of that like when we show up in heaven you know like I don't know if we're going to have extra crown yeah, jewels in our right. crown or whatever. Like, he's got a purple heart. Yeah. Like, he got, he's a martyr, you know, like, oh, wow. He's a, like, a, you know. Yeah, yeah, like, say, Peter, you know, will have the purple heart. Right. Right. But I think that there might be also other commandments, you know, like, hey, this guy persevered through this trial and he made it. Yeah. You know, like, and people, like, you're going to encourage other believers to do the same, same thing. Yep. That's where the testimony comes in, right? Yep. And so, uh, shoot, I'm going to have to bring you back in here. We're getting getting along. Okay, we'll go through. Uh, we're good. We're good. Okay. Wrap okay. it up. Yeah. So we'll st- we'll uh, we'll go through twenty. Uh, okay. Okay. We'll go through twenty two. How's that? <laughs> okay. So, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by hostile armies. 
um, then understand with confident assurance that her complete destruction is near. At that time, those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains, and those who are inside the city, Jerusalem, must get out, and those who are out in the country must not enter the city. For these are days of vengeance, of rendering full justice or satisfaction. Oh my gosh, I can't. Satisfaction. 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 Yeah, <laughs> All right. And uh, <laughs> so that all things which are written will be fulfilled. That's a good stopping point because he's what we're he's telling them, uh, of course, to be strong and courageous, right? Right. And he's, you're going to see these uh, hostile armies, and then you're going to understand that the destruction is near. And this is the reason I this would be a good stopping point is because it's kind of getting into what we want to cover right. uh, you and I uh, Christian on he, he's he's getting into those signs and stuff leading up to those to the end days if we're we've been this whole time correlating the destruction of Jerusalem to the end days and how they're gonna see this coming and have confidence that I, I love that statement have confidence that the end that destruction is near Judgment is near. Yep. And for these days of vengeance, of rendering full justice, ju- uh, full justice, so that things which are written will be fulfilled. Right. I mean, we could go down. Oh, that's getting into what we're about to cover here very soon. Well, I can cover the what happened in Jerusalem. I wrote down some facts on that. And okay. Leave the end times for the for a different later times. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um. So. The prophecy was ignored by the Jews in 70 AD when the Roman armies uh, circled Jerusalem. The flee of the mountains, um, they didn't flee. Mm-hmm. But the Christian historian Eusebius, <laughs> I don't know, um, he wrote that Christians did flee um, to Pella in response, which is across the river. Mm-hmm. Uh, few, if any, perished at all. So they heeded this prophecy. Oh, nice. Um, but those that remained, that ignored it, 1.1 million Jews died, Whoa. and 97,000 were taken captive. Golly. So it was a massacre. Like, not a good time to stay in Jerusalem. Yeah. And we'll get into this later because there's some other things that there's a lot of people that, that take this first. And they're like, oh, see, see, I, I can be a prepper. I, 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 need to, I, need to go, <laughs> I need to go build a bunker in the hill. You know, it's like, you're not going to escape God's judgment. Right. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter how far into the earth you are. You're not escaping it. There's not enough food in the world that will save you right. from the destruction that's coming yep. at the end of the world, you know, at the end of time. Yeah. So I, I told Adrian when she wanted to buy like uh, radioactive gear and like gas masks and stuff for a nuclear blast, I'm like, even if we survive the blast, you're not going to want to. Like everything no. could be radioactive outside. Like, <laughs> People call me morbid. It's like, hey, if there's going to be a nuclear blast somewhere, put me at the center of it. Right. I want to just. Yeah, I'd rather go out quick. Yeah. Die of radiation radiation poisoning. Yeah, because that that crap's nasty. Hair fallout. Fingernails and teeth start falling out. Start boils on the tail and the third eye. Third yeah. eye, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that that it will be fun. And that's the thing. And talking about the disclaimer, we don't have to get into the end times. We we want to be prepared. God's people should be prepared for yep. Jesus coming. I, we are prepared for Jesus is coming. But on a side note, it is fun to 
kind of look into it. And there's going to be plenty, like Pastor Travis said, um, you know, people are going to have their different opinions and different uh, outlooks on it, and it, it's fun to kind of debate it and see where people stand. We prep, we, we pack food, and I have lots of rounds. Uh, keep yeah. them dry and keep them high. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, I'm guilty of it, too. We go to the store. We, we always buy rice or beans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you never know what's going to come. How much are we going to have to endure as Christians before he takes us home? Well, when when you got know. many mouths to feed, if there is something that happens with the food shortage, it's like, I'd like to at least get my kids by a couple more months. Yeah, know? exactly. Like, coming to Christ, no. I want to go up in the heaven with the Lord. But yeah. if it's the government, you know, persecuting or oppressing us, like I'd like to be able to survive as long as I could. Yeah, exactly. So, man, good podcast tonight. Yeehaw. Yeah, we didn't make it all the way through, but right. we'll just have to bring you in on next week's podcast when we get through the rest of it. Sounds good. Yeah. No. All right, we're going to get out of here. Guys, thanks for listening to Untaunted Pursuit Podcast. Make sure to go and check us out on the social medias, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube. You can always message us. If you guys have something to say, want to, I don't care, you know, just message us. You know, that's what we want. Uh, Undaunted Pursuit at, oh, no, no, sorry, mail at undauntedpursuit.com. And make sure you guys uh, share this episode with somebody this week. I apologize uh, for making it so long, but hey, I hope that this blesses somebody this week, and um, we appreciate you guys listening. I don't think I'm forgetting anything. I don't have Marshall to remind me, but uh, hey, the music at the end of the episode, I haven't chosen any music this week. Uh, Zach Tyndall just dropped a new one, so I'll probably end up uh, using his music. It's great. Uh, So check it out. It's called Same Old Lies. And uh, he just dropped it. Uh, we're recording on a Thursday, Friday evening. So he dropped it today, September the 8th. And uh, go check it out. Anywhere, Spotify, YouTube, it's all on there. I'll put the links below. Guys, see you next time. Bye. Bye. Welcome to the new age. One love, one heart, one mind. Good vibes. Can't you see it's the same old lies? Same old lies People get ready for the new thought It's your life, divine You can go and open your third eye Oh, it's the same old lies The same old lies It's a brand new age But it's the same old lie Though it seems right But in the end they die Oh, but it feels nice Tell me that it feels alright It's a brand new age But the same old lie The way it seems right But in the end they die Oh, but it feels nice Yeah, they tell me that it feels alright The devil tries the same play All day with no change Forget what God said and do what I say You can trust what I say it's plain that it's the same old book With new looks, you need a new book God spoke up, then messed up See, he sent another prophet as his backup He'll write it down, just right While he's trying to bag more wives and child brides It's a brand new age, but it's the same old lie The way it seems right, but in the end they die Oh, but it feels
feels nice They tell me that it feels alright It's a brand new age But the same old lie The way it seems right But in the end they die Oh, but it feels nice Yeah, they tell me that it feels alright Tell me that it feels alright